This episode is brought to you by livingrelief.com, a Wolfpack-owned business that is your source for Delta-8, CBD, THCV, gummies, tinctures, chocolates, all North Carolina-based quality products that can help with sleep, anxiety, pain, and countless other medical benefits. Highly recommend checking these guys out. Their stuff is really good. And if you use code REDWHITE20, you get 20% off your first order. That's REDWHITE20. LivingRelief.com. Living, R-E-L-E-A-F.com. Thanks for listening. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. Eight twenty four. All right, folks, we are back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, here with my man, Will. Will, how you doing? I'm great, man. How are you? I am doing well. And I know you haven't seen Ted Lasso, but I wanted to start with this because it's, it's been on my mind for like three days since I saw somebody tweet this, and I just... It was disturbing. Joe Ovius tweeted out, what's the point of Ted Lasso season two? And I'm sitting here thinking about it. And I'm just like, it doesn't need to have a point. It's hilarious. It's a funny show. It's entertaining. I'm not looking for some grand moral story from it. I, I just, sometimes I don't know what people are looking for when they, you know, they're critical of something like this, right? It just, to me, it's one of the best shows of all time. It's you know only one and a half seasons in. I think it's just something that's entertaining. It's funny. It's just good TV. It doesn't have to have a bigger point. I'm just I don't know. Like I've seen that criticism a few times. He was the first one that brought it up, and it was kind of lingering in my head. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Yeah, I don't know. So, watch <laughs> Ted Lasso. You- let me tell you about a little show called Grey's Anatomy. It's only been on for about 23 seasons, okay? <laughs> let me tell you about the point of that show. No, no, not. The, uh, yeah, we've been kind of waiting. I, that, that one's on Apple TV, right? Yes. If I remember correctly. Okay, yeah. I, I, I don't know. We're, I guess we're going to have to somehow bite the bullet one day for that. Maybe we'll do it for a month and stream it. It's worth it, man. It's so good. And it's just, it's just entertaining. My wife and I are watching... Yellowstone, which is also fantastic. It's a Paramount show. It's about ranchers in Montana, Kevin Costner. I mean, it is, it's an intense drama. It's really good. Tell me you have an AARP card without telling me you have an AARP. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I, I, it reminds me of like my parents watching Dallas when I was growing up. Okay. Super. My mom used to always watch like, oh, I love Dallas. And that's what I think I want to watch. I'm like, man, I'm old watching this, but it's really good. It's a really good show. But I, I had to watch Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso afterward just to kind of bring it back before I go to bed, man. I, I can't really talk. I mean, we've been watching um, Alone on the History Channel. Um, oh, I have that on on the DVR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just finished the last season this week, yeah. and um, it's brutal. Just a, it's almost hard to watch. It's it's just such a difficult season for the contestants. Yeah. And uh, we were watching Snowfall. It was another one we just finished. Yeah, that show just finished. It was four seasons, I believe. 
it's about the rise and fall of crack cocaine in LA in the 70s and 80s and it's a really good show you said it's four seasons jeez four seasons and it finished and so like it's completed it's one not one of those shows where you have to kind of wait for them to you know are they going to keep it going are they going to wrap this up now they went from start to begin they wrapped up most everything it was it was really good it's a really intense watch but um, i thought it was well done i think everybody should check that one out it's really people don't talk about it enough yeah so this is an NC State podcast. What do we do on this podcast? So the important question I want to ask you is, what is an energy vampire? Um, you know, I'm guessing it's got to be that's it's got to be someone that sucks the energy out of a room. I don't. I've been thinking about it for five minutes now. I want to tweet it at D'Antonio and ask. It's not his, you know, it's not his quote or whatever, but I just. Uh, do we have any energy vampires on the team? Or I don't know. We, I think did Peyton they all Wilson, transfer out. Yeah, exercise those demons after 2019, right? I think that's what he was screaming in the locker room about. To context for people, Thunder Dam put out a tweet that you know, he retweeted somebody. And it was funny. It was seven things that will hurt your team. There's a bunch of things complaining, jealousy, etc. And the top one is energy vampires. So Will and I were just talking about what an energy vampire was. So, yeah, good times. It's my number one concern, man. (laughs) My number one concern is how this amazing ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12 alliance is coming to fruition. And nobody is giving me credit because I'm the one that started it. Yeah, I can thank you for um, a gentleman's agreement. So thanks. (laughs) Thanks for that, Evan. <laughs> there were th- hey hey there were three. I think they said there were three guys in the room, and they looked at each other in the eyes, and they said and none of them were me. This should have been they, me. Yeah, they said, "How do we make more money without losing more teams?" Well, let's make a handshake agreement. Those will hold up at a court of law. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I don't. Nobody really knows. It's starting. To, the details are starting to come out, and I hadn't really caught up on it. Essentially, they're talking about like scheduling one another and just having a symbiotic relationship but not making it official and i was i was was tweeting with uh one of the technician writers and he was like yeah you know i I like this and my my comment was you know a handshake deal like it's not going to hold up this day and age And, and they and his comment was why would it, why would ACC leave for the SEC? And I'm like, my thought is just dumber decisions have been made when the pretty girl walks into a bar and like starts batting her eyes at you, right? It's <laughs> it, the jugular takes over and you start thinking about what could be, and the grass is always green on the other side, right? Everybody wants to be in the SEC anyway. If, if the SEC comes along and says, "Hey, ACC, let's start a regional." conference or alliance or something official you don't think the acc is backing out of this pac-12 big 10 alliance in a heartbeat they absolutely are yeah you want to make a uh 28 30 team league um best of the best of football and it spans the fastest growing states in the south gonna be hard to turn that down you know maybe they throw out like a token offer to usc oregon you know Anyone, you know, 
I bet if you did that, and then you also said, hey, Ohio State, do you want to come here too? I bet they would all fold in a heartbeat. You know, That would be insane. Yeah, I just, there's no, I guess they're trying to say safety in numbers, right? They're, they're trying to make this help, make themselves feel better by saying we have this alliance with the other two conferences. But it doesn't mean anything. Here's the thing. I, I've, I've said it before. I would like a, you know, all across America conference, call it whatever you want, um, the BAP, the big, big ACC pack or whatever. Um, That's a terrible name. The BAP. I love it. <laughs> PAB, ABP, whatever you want. I don't care. I call it the Rust Belt. Uh, what did I call it the other day? The uh, the Coastal Rust Belt Elites. That That's what I want. Um but I would, you know, I want them to get together. I want them to make an agreement and never schedule an SEC team. I want to, I want to watch them freeze the SEC out of every remaining good P5 team, and just make them play themselves in like G5 or like FCS teams or whatever. And then give me a network that every game is streaming, and I can pick whichever one I want to watch whenever I want to watch it. You keep a history of all the catalogs, so I can just go and watch games throughout the week. You give me football, basketball, baseball for guys like Chance, women's basketball, and I don't care about any other sport. I don't ever want to watch it. And then I would pay for that. I would I would pay I would pay a premium to never watch an SEC football game again. That's how annoyed I am with the SEC. That would be and wild. I, and I think it would be fun, man. Like, I actually want to see ACC, Big Ten matchups, Pac-10 matchups, Pac-12, whatever you want to call them. You know, I think it would be great. I think what they could do, what would be kind of interesting, is if they said, okay, um, we're going to run, you know, we're, we're going to let this run for like three years and we'll just kind of randomly assign teams. And after three years, the top four teams from each of these groups or top eight, or whatever you want to do, they're going to get to play crossover games with each other. So the best of the best are going to play each other and increase the market value of the games. And then if you want to make it in there, it's you know like kind of like a form of relegation, right? If you want to mm-hmm. invest in your program and play better teams, then you got to show it, you got to win, and you earn your way in. But you still get the benefits of the conference itself, you know, making tons of money and shelling it out to you if you want to just be the one that's you know dragging it down for academics. Or whatever. Yeah, the academics part. So, <laughs> I think Pete Thamel said today on their podcast that the Big Ten had wanted Carolina and UVA in the last go round, and they didn't push hard enough to get them or something. You can like take them. That. We'll give them to you right now. And I'm thinking, like, why? And they're like, the reason was they align academically with the Big Ten. Do you know they systematically cheated for three decades, you know, academically? <laughs> Just I don't know, man. I don't know why people keep pretending that a- academics has any pertinence in this conversation. It's Be- about because TV they learning. like they like the school's perception. They don't care about what the athletes do at the school, right? Right. Yeah. And okay, but like. Is that what the point of this is? Is to like hang out with people who have similar graduates and like 
I, I don't I don't get that. That doesn't feel right. Um, you know, so I mean, but they had their chance, and I would. I could you have just have imagined UVA and UNC say we're going to the Big Ten. ACC breaks up. NC State, I have to imagine, goes to the SEC at that point. Maybe Virginia Tech comes with it. And then instead of Missouri getting in, one of us gets in instead. Oh, man. What a great day that would have been. (laughs) But I don't know. I just rolled my eyes so much when they were talking about academics and all these other things, all these other sports. Oh, we're going to have 80 sports represented between all the... Who cares? Like, I like having a golf team and everything. And I, you know, but that's not what pays the bills. And you can't tell me as a commissioner that your priority is emphasizing football and building your football product. And then you come out with this toothless agreement that's all focused on, well, we're going to hang out with people we like. I, I. I don't know. I was a little annoyed with Jim Phillips, just with what he was trying to say. And I'm, it just seemed like they were just trying to poke the eye of the SEC. And the SEC's like, I don't care. I got a ton of money and the best teams. Bye. I'm curious if Jim Phillips has any sort of insight. I mean, he's got to, right? Insight into yeah that deal in that situation. I didn't think about that until you just mentioned his name. Like, oh, yeah, he was in the Big Ten at that time with Northwestern. So he's got – should have something, right? should be some sort of – I don't what, know. He's, what is it about their structure of their network that has it so profitable? I mean, I know they've got Ohio State and Michigan, so they've got some, you know, Penn State, et cetera. They've got some really good football programs – but why is it that they are so profitable as a network? You know, why is I, that should be studied more than anything? Yeah, I don't really know. It was something to do. It's, it just comes down to their TV deal. They were one of the first to have that dedicated network, and whoever I forgot who it was that negotiated. I forgot his name. Like negotiated a hell of a deal because he knew how valuable the TV rights were. Gene, whatever his name was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know, and that's why you know when I put together my projection for the coastal, I mean for the coastal conference with the Pac-12 and the ACC, I didn't factor in the Big Ten because they have their levers, they have this great deal with their money and their network. I guess they don't want to be left out in the cold if all the other teams start aligning in these groups and then they're only, you know, there's only 10 of them or whatever that number is now. Big 10 with 12 teams, I think. Right? I think that's kind of, I don't know. I guess that's kind of where I was thinking that was going. But the alliance is weird to me it, with just being a handshake agreement. I, I got to think there's going to be more to it coming. Yeah, it's like, did the announcement today like really do anything, or were they just like, man, we no. better say something before this season starts? Yeah, didn't you just you just read a quote to me about the, from the Clemson AD? I thought it was pretty. Oh god, spot yeah. on. If I don't you can know find if I can... that. <laughs> yeah. One no. of the 
while you're looking that up, one of the things that I always thought about, and I know everybody else has, there's got to be a way for them to make a streaming service for college football work. I just want to be able to watch games. I don't want blackouts. I don't want to be looking for how do I watch whatever this janky RSN channel is that I can't find. Like, I just gave me, let me pay 20 bucks a month and watch any of the games from this Alliance conference or, or something like that. And I know the TV numbers are going to be different and whatever, but there's got to be a way to make that level of streaming service work. One of the things that the TV companies always say, or the analysts always say that the TV companies are worried about is it's expensive to set up games, to have cameras and crews and everything to, to run live games. But now with the, during the pandemic, they were doing announcing from, you know, remote locations. Guys are doing it from their houses. Yeah. No one has and to be at the game. Right. They don't have to be there. Like in these schools all have this infrastructure or you can make them get this infrastructure. Like state has the infrastructure for our TV network there. It shouldn't be that hard to set up this streaming service so that we can watch games and pay for it. I don't know. There's some kind of disconnect there. And maybe it's the TV deals haven't caught up with the technology. Yeah. Hey, future Alliance Network, I'll watch an all-22 view and you don't even have to talk. Right? (laughs) Like... You know, I I can you know here it's not that hard. Watch this. Um, you uh, show the game, and then you have the local color radio team pipe in. It's not that hard. Choose choose who you want to who you want. You know, it's like when when the national championship game was playing, and there were like five different options to watch it. And then there's a coach's room, the SEC coach's room, the ACC coach's room, the all 22, the butt shot, the front shot, the whatever. You know, it's, I feel like they try to make it sound more complicated than it really is. Just to show us the game, cut your costs wherever you got to cut the costs and just let us go watch some football. It's not that hard. Yeah, agreed. So we'll see what comes from the Alliance in the next... I don't know, a few days, if, if anything official comes out, any um, press conference or anything more than a handshake comes out. But somebody asked a good question. I'm adding it to our notes as we speak. What's holding back? He, he wants, Jeremy asked, what's holding back state's TV viewership for football games? Four million was mentioned as the magic number, but state only hit that twice in the last ten to fifteen years. I think we're kind of getting to this in a in a minute, but I'm gonna play this clip, and I, Will hasn't heard it. But over the last two weeks, the Yahoo Yahoo College Football Podcast, which is now the Yahoo College Football Inquirer Podcast, which is a terrible name. But Pete Thamel has talked about us the last two weeks. I'm gonna play these clips, and I th- we'll get back into this question. But I go with North uh, Northwestern. All right, ACC. 
Clemson's negative 750, obviously. Carolina's 1,000 plus 1,000. Miami's plus 1,000. BC, I'd go with North, uh, Northwest. Hang on, wrong one. Those, I'll, I'll do a snake one. draft. So we go back to... NC State is like the most vanilla program in the country, right? Like they Ugh. just uh, completely undistinguished. They are very good. They're very consistent. They've produced a ton of NFL players during Dave Doran's time there. They lack sort of that breakthrough win. They lack... That one moment where you're like, yeah, think, think about like the most notable thing that's happened to NC State the last 15 years was Russell Wilson leaving and going to Wisconsin and then becoming obviously one of the best, uh, best quarterbacks in the NFL. So that said, I really think when you look at NC State this year, they return 18 starters. You know, it's funny. I was talking to Manny Diaz about super seniors at uh, ACC Media Day. He came up to me. I had asked him a question at a press conference. He came up to me after and it was like, He's like, you know what? He was like, I was thinking about what you're asking. He was like, nobody talks about NC State. He's like, I think they're really, really good. So they have USF. They're at Mississippi State, which is very winnable. They have Furman. Clemson goes to Raleigh. And if if, if NC State's 3-0 and at that point, Clemson still isn't what we remember from them three years ago. Just in terms of defensive line, they're there. Offensive line, they're still not there. Receiver, they have injury questions. Um, the talent is certainly there. So... Long story short, like there's a there's a path for if you look at the NC State schedule for them to go ten and two. Like that's not that's not completely out of the question. And they close the year with North Carolina, who could well be a top ten team. And if they if they beat them and they're they're kind of hanging around that top fifteen rank at that point, I think they're uh, I think they're there. But Tim Beck did an unbelievable job turning that offense around. They they made like the dud coordinator hire two years ago to to kind of keep the staff together for recruiting. It didn't happen. Tim came in, turned him into uh, a professional operation, similar to when Drinkwitz was there a couple years back. Devin Leary, the quarterback, solid upper middle class ACC quarterback. Yeah, they've got one of the best linebackers in the ACC who who get drafted this year. I, I just think like. When I look at them, I just they ooze like competence. Yeah, I know. I I agree that they're one of those schools that a this is one of those years where they look like they are at the peak of their game, and b it's you know outside of Clemson, it's it's all manageable. I'm gonna go with Minnesota. I mean, he's not wrong. No, he's pretty right. <laughs> And I think that is that answers Jeremy's question. What's holding back the TV viewership? Is that, and it's something you and I have said a lot. But summing it up, it's what he said is it's been it's been vanilla. They hadn't they've been good, not great. They're not flashy. They're they're just good. And that's just not interesting enough in today's day and age. They're not enough Oregon in them, and that's that's my analogy is be more Oregon, right? Yeah, I would say um, they did what they had to do to win. They never won the big game. They beat Lamar, which is good. Right. They beat FSU at FSU before. You know, I, I like to think that we basically caused those wheels to fall off that that train. Um, but you know. It's just missed opportunities to make yourself a name, right? I mean, you miss all the, you know, all people saw on NC State that one season was the missed kick against Clemson. And then, yeah. you know, that, that crap would be brought up every time we would play Clemson. So, I mean, they just, they missed opportunities to market the program. 
all you know and all when all you have to point to is like oh look we beat Pitt, we beat bc we beat wake forest except for the years that we needed to you know it, it it's just hard to get a pulse on a national stage and get the credit to get a meaningful time slot in games and things like that and just you know you're just aside from one year we really weren't ever in the conversation and you know hopefully that's not what we remember Doran as for his entire tenure I mean I hope this is the year that they strike um, at other teams the the composition of this team is, is so much better I always keep thinking back on on those other teams and how he seemed to be managing the fact that they didn't have much depth but I don't know. I say that every week. I'm, I'm going to get off the horse. It's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I don't know. I don't know where I was going to go with that, but it's, uh, you, you summed it up. I I come back to what you said about they missed the opportunity to market themselves. And it's something we have harped on relentlessly this basically this summer. And I know some people think that you shouldn't ever say anything critical or anything bad. And I don't think that we we have ever said anything negative, right? We've been critical, and I think there's a difference. I think it's okay to have these conversations. It's okay to say, hey, this could be better. This, this stinks. This is not. I think that's how you get better. And I think that's how you you know point to sing these things out because – we are having these conversations. Other fans are having these conversations. Just because staffs and departments don't acknowledge them doesn't mean they don't happen. And I think that's what we're trying to do is push everybody to be better, to be aware of these areas that maybe you're too close to the forest to see that, hey, this is an issue or this is what people think. So... You know, it comes back to branding and marketing and being interesting, being exciting, and just building that brand. I think it's something that we need to do better. Uh, yeah. Now, I, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I mean, the one thing you can at least tell is, you know, who's at least giving Dave resources to go out and get a better, more competent, more modern staff. Yeah. Um, I thought that that, I don't know who said it on there, but... You know, when they called it called it out when they said, like, making the dud decision to, you know, pr- keep a staff around for recruiting instead of go out and hire someone that can elevate your program. And hmm. I'm sure that 2019 year and the decision on how he handled that staff is probably going to haunt Dave for a long time. But, you know, go out and win this year and no one no one's going to talk about that anymore. Yeah. Right? Funny you should mention that here. I go with North uh, Northwestern. All right, ACC. Clemson's negative seven fifty. Obviously, Carolina's a thousand plus thousand. Miami's plus one thousand. BC plus twenty five hundred. Uh, Louisville plus three thousand. NC State five thousand, and so on. Uh, FSU and Virginia Tech. Wake same. Duke plus twenty five thousand. Duke and Syracuse plus twenty five thousand. Anyone wants them? I, uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I propped up NC State on last week's podcast, and I became like a, a cult message board hero amongst the uh, amongst the pack. <laughs> and as pack can attest, the pack have a bit of a fickle fan base. 
So I'm gonna ride my my rare popularity with the uh, NC State <laughs> fan base and just look at the uh, look at the starters they have returning back. Look at the way the offense jumped with Tim Beck as the OC, Devin Leary's there. They have a very good defense, and it's just a matter of NC State putting it all uh, putting it all together. So I'm I'm stunned that BC has so much better odds to win the ACC as NC State. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. So. I'm uh, I'm staying on the pack man wagon. That those are those are juicy odds. Yeah, I, I share your astonishment at the BC odds. There, I, I don't quite see that. That's a big jump up. And NC State, yes, except Pete, they play in the same division as Clemson, and Clemson's going to win the division. <laughs> so I'm going to the other yeah, side, yeah. and the choice. Yeah. So at at some point, <laughs> at some point. State's got to capitalize on these opportunities. We've got people paying attention to us. There's been, you know, I, I probably clipped the Cover 3 podcast a few times. That same conversation there. Maybe not as high on us as 10-2, and two, but they're pushing the over, the Vegas over, as like one of their locks of the year. Like State's going to hit that. And State has got to capitalize on these opportunities where people are paying attention. They have a good year. You know Pete Thamel's going to say, is going to give you shout-outs, right? You're going to get talked about on national TV, national radio, national podcasts. And that's how you get, bringing it back to Jeremy's question, that's how you get more viewership. You start being interesting. You start being a team people want to watch, right? You don't you You overcome being the team that let Russell Wilson go, which is what people think of right now, sadly enough, rather than the team that produced Philip Rivers, the team that produced Mario Williams or Olim McNeil and whoever else, right? All these other guys, Garrett Bradbury, all you know, first round picks and contributors on NFL teams, Naheem Hines. You have to capitalize on that. You have to win and you have to be interesting while you do it. Because we've seen what just winning does. You get labeled as a good vanilla team. Vanilla's fine, but it's not the best ice cream flavor, right? You need to spice that up a little bit. You need you need some fish food in your life. Oh you my need some gosh, mint chocolate chip, right? <laughs> so that's what we needed. That's how we need to increase our viewership. W- weren't we supposed to do a cookout milkshake rating system this summer? I mean, yeah, that failed spectacularly. What happened to Fat Boy Shake Summer? Um, is what I want to know. Um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to get some hype, right? If you beat, I mean, obviously being Clemson would be just a landmark occasion for, for the program, but you get the opportunity to beat DJ, you get the opportunity to beat the fighting Phil Jerkoviches, Derek King, uh, who knows if Fuller State's going to have a quarterback by then, and then Sam Howell. Like, change the conversation, right? Everyone's talking about those people, if you win those games, two of those games, three of those games, there isn't going to be any more of that, you know, hype train around Phil Jerkovich if we go in there and just dust those guys, which I think we can. I think this defense this year is going to be – maybe I'm just getting way too pumped because I've been listening to positional pods, but <laughs> I, I feel like everything is setting up this year. I feel like I feel like State's going to be really good as a pass defense. There's going to get a lot of pressure. And this is a year where the ACC doesn't really have a physical running team anymore. BC used to be that, but they want to pass the ball. Um, you know, look at the schedule. I mean, it's almost all like aggressive passing teams. Um, 
I don't know. I, I I feel like this is a schedule that actually sets up very favorably for an NC State team that everyone seems really high on the defense from these scrimmages and just the little bits and pieces that people get when they get to go visit a practice or something like that. Hopefully, we'll have somebody from from the pod army go to the um, that open practice coming up, which would be great to just see what that's all about. Um, Yes, yeah, that I, open practice is weird. Weird that they like they did it previously for MJ Morris's visit, right? And there was kind of a last minute thing, and they wanted just to open it to the public just so they can get in. But this one they they've announced two weeks ahead of time. Is it to generate excitement for the fans? Like, what is what do you think that that the motivation is behind that? Well, I'm sure that's the motivation, but I guess it wouldn't shock me if, um, you know, like someone like Wesley Grimes or something like that happens to show up at it. Um, mm. I think it lines up with his decision date. Um, I think it's right before it, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think they're trying to build up some anticipation for the season, trying to do it in a way to maybe get the maybe get the students out there. You know, I, I don't yeah. know. It's, um, I really wish, you know, I wish I could go for one, but, you know, I, I just wish we were just a little bit more transparent. Um, I guess I'm one of those people where it would be nice to get some more tidbits out of practices and things like that. Um, I don't think we have to be super worried about hiding everything or whatever. Um, but it does seem like you know trying to get tidbits on the scrimmages and whatnot this season have been a little bit harder, but I mean that's because yeah. I think they're going to catch someone off guard. But it's just like I mean by the time you play Furman, you know Clemson's going to have seen you try to beat Mississippi State. Like you know the tape will be yeah. out there. You know what I mean? So I've I've kind of always been one that says you know be a little bit more open, get the media excited about the team. Instead, all they keep talking about is is UNC, and I just maybe this is in response to that a little bit. That's a good point. Yeah, there's a question we got in regards to the schedule since you just brought it up. Which game is State most likely to lose? Wake Forest, BC, or Florida State? Um, that's a good question. They're all on the road. I would say. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna go with. Doesn't Wake play? No, Wake doesn't play UNC right before, do they? They play Clemson right before us, I think. Yeah, let me double check. They play Clemson after us, and they play UNC before us. Okay, so I'm thinking we're winning. We're beating Wake. Um, I guess. I I think it's more likely that FSU can have their shit together for one game. Yeah. Based on like what we saw last year. Um, it's later in the season, so they'll probably have quarterback figured out by then. Um, I'll lean there. I'm going to give them some historical credit. I, I just don't buy the BC hype right now. Maybe, maybe they'll surprise me. I think they play Missouri early on. Week one, um, I think. No, week four. They play. This is the thing that's going to drive me nuts about BC. They get Colgate, Massachusetts, and Temple. And then yeah. they play Missouri. I, that, that's... I don't know, man. You should be penalized for that kind of nonsense. BC plays at Clemson the week before they play us, so they're either going to be depressed or it's going to be a get-right it's, game. It's two weeks before us because they get the bye right after. Uh, 
There's so 14. October 14 30th, November 6th. Uh, you are looking at Oh, no, it's Florida wrong. State. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at Florida State. Yeah. Yeah, BC's got the same bye week we do. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where where that goes. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not really quite buying it. I think I think part of BC was, yeah, I mean, they're, they're throwing the ball like crazy, which is new. Like no one has, you know, everyone's surprised by that. No one had much to, to game off of with the coaching change. So I think there's going to be a lot more tape on them. To me, Phil Jerkovich looks like kind of like a one-trick pony. You take away Zay Flowers, I don't think he looks that good, but I don't know. I, I could s- be wrong. I still – I'd probably be more scared of BC if they were still running Andre Williams and A.J. Dillon and David Bailey, right? They were still that ground-and-pound team. I, I would think that is that's more intimidating to me i think right you're you were right that's that switch to spread pass first like everybody else is doing is not necessarily their forte so i'll be curious it doesn't i think we match up better with that now than we previously with our other offenses yeah it's 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 interesting i mean it could be maybe i mean maybe they got there and they're just like we're just better equipped to pass whatever maybe it's game scripts i don't know it's just weird to see a bc team that as a team got like 1100 yards david bailey the leading rusher 500 and i think he's transferred yeah you know it's just kind of um just kind of odd i guess is all i'll say but you know they also had um four guys averaging over 12 yards a catch three were over 15 so you know I guess smoke them if you got them. Yeah, right. I would probably say FSU too. I just think they... I don't think they're going to be very good, but they always have enough athletes that they can put. They can be competitive, right? And some... If you're not on your A game, they're going to have a scary Terry who's shooting somebody and then running past <laughs> you. <laughs> I was gonna say it's gonna be the exact opposite this year. They're gonna all be like so busy talking to Corey and, and Cyrus as the game is going on, yeah, that's and uh, getting recruited in the middle of the game. Right, you know, that's what I'm hoping. Speaking of being recruited, David Thompson, who we've now nicknamed the Sky Rider, David Sky Rider Thompson from the Fayetteville Observer, put out uh, a really good piece this morning that generated a lot of activity. On the on Twitter's, he had a lot of hate from Carolina fans, where he essentially said that Dave Dorn is winning North Carolina recruiting, and referenced twenty guys in the NFL versus Carolina's seven or whatever the number was. I forgot what the number was. <laughs> As of twenty twenty, yeah, and people people got in all of a, of a tizzy. Now was that as of the 2020 draft or the 20? Uh, I was. Draft, that's the only thing correct. I would say because you know they did just put quite a few guys in. Right. Yeah, we'll see how many of those get kept on team. Larry Fedora's guys. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but it comes back to what I want. What we always talked about is like recruiting and being interesting, getting stars. I'm, I'm not as I'm not a star chaser like a lot of folks are. I think part of that is we know how crooked the systems are. I mean, we had 
James Henderson on here telling us that Scout used to reevaluate guys they hadn't seen when they committed to different schools just to give them a bump to get them more page views. Right, we know that that happens. We're seeing it happen right now. Michael Allen and MJ Morris just dropped from four stars to three stars. Michael Allen just went out and had 200, 207 receiving yards in his first game, but he still he drops to a a three star. Well, now you he's know. just a slot receiver. We got plenty of them. Yeah, yeah, right. But I, I think it's interesting. You know, I I think it comes down to evaluation more so than just going, just getting the best. I don't know. That's gonna sound stupid, but getting the best players, but getting the best players that fit, right? I think Dave has done a good job of evaluating guys that can play and getting guys that fit his system. And IPS pod earlier today was talking about it, and they made a good point where they said, if you look back at the 2019 North Carolina recruiting class, the state of North Carolina recruiting class and the rankings, and you look at the guys who are still finding success four of the top five would be state guys a lot of those other guys have flamed out have transferred and not been as good as advertised or or whatever reason got hurt but you look at the guys in that class and the ones that state identify the ones that state got have panned out more often than not and I think there's a balance there between, especially when you're state, and you're not going to out-recruit Clemson, and you're not going to out-recruit you know, Tennessee and these other big brands, is being more efficient with your pickups, not just taking flyers on guys who are have no chance of ever playing. Right, Getting better quality talent, getting better guys that you can develop, but you don't have to always land the five stars. Does that make sense? Look, I would gladly take some five stars because I think the culture that Dave Doran and this program have could shape some of those losers into winners. Um, you know, I mean, the thing is, is like when you are after certain guys, it would just be nice to, to get them. Like a Will Shipley, like basically said, I want to go to Clemson because they're winning. And right. that's where years past kind of come and haunt you. Um you know, so there's there's certain elite players he has they have certainly been after and they did not connect with. And there's, you know, even this year it's like you know, everyone on the board says basically they've gotten the guys that they really wanted. But I'd still like kind of raise my eyebrow a little bit and say, are you sure there's not like uh, an even better prospect out there that they just knew they never really had a chance with, so they didn't have them at the top of the board. You know that that's the maybe the one little caveat I have to that is, it certainly helps to have better talent, but the you know, I mean just watching how the the movement on Michael Allen for me is like triggering. Jordan Poole's ranking last year drove me nuts. On you know you've got certain sites saying this is a guy that's going to be a draft pick like no doubt in their minds, and then others are like, oh I don't even know if he's even going to be like, you know a starter. It's, you know, so you got to take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's like if this year is it's kind of my comment about this whole season. It's like this is your deepest roster. 
It's your best overall talent composition probably across the whole roster. If you don't go out and at least get nine wins, it's like what's what your ceiling has is nine then it's like you've got to do better than oh we were almost there and this is a great year to do that and i that's why i'm very high on the pack this year but at some point it is like we have plenty of good players it's getting recognition like across you know the the nation from the media locally we were picked second in the division and let yet there's all these people are like "Mm, i don't know they may get seven wins. And I think that's a good season if they get seven wins. Like it's it's time for the status quo to to change. Right. In my opinion. I'm looking back I went back through the twenty seventeen state of North Carolina recruiting class while you were just talking. And do my last one right at the moment. Yeah, all right. It's, it's funny. Like it's this is exactly what we're talking about. So if you look at the top, where am I? Top 15, almost every one of them has transferred, washed out, or did not make it. Like Caleb Farley is the one exception, Virginia Tech corner. And there's one guy from Carolina who's still playing, Jonah Melton. Like Carolina's got four of the top 10 here. None of them are on the roster anymore. But damn, were they good on signing day. Right? And then if you look at the top, I'm going down to the top 20 here. And State's got Grant Gibson, going to be a high draft pick. Omeka Amezi, going to get drafted. Five-year contributor. Whereas I'm looking at like Carolina, Jordan Riley, he transferred to Nebraska, I think. Javon Leak, Maryland running back, he's been okay. You know, just picking these guys, Sherrod Green, had 74 tackles in his career. Peyton Wilson had that in about the second quarter of the game three. There's so it's about the valuation, right? The there's so many unknowns here. And you can just jump on stars and you can still it's it's great for marketing your team and your promotions. But if they these guys if the coaches don't think these guys are any good which is what we hear a lot of when you look at certain recruits, certain higher recruits that you know Carolina gets or somebody else, and you know the scouting reporters, you know our staff didn't wasn't really high on this guy. They didn't really like his attitude. Or they didn't like this. At this point, I'm starting to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're probably right because going back through these lists, there's a lot of busts here, and I'm sure State's got their fair share. If I went through this, the they whole do. recruiting classes, <laughs> but. You know, honestly, I, I think that that changed my perspective looking at it like that way. And I wish there was like a, you know, I wish twenty four seven had they had these nice lists, but I wish they had the like where they are now. Like, yeah, this guy, this guy's an accountant. This guy transferred to Charlotte, right? This guy. I'm, I'm shocked that know. they that they don't like track this. I, I think, especially with the transfer portal and things like this, I, I'm just my mind is blown that there's not a. signing day view and then a you know where they landed after two or three years kind of view. yeah yeah um i mean just i'm just kind of like looking at this right like the 20 the class of 2018 for example right 
uh, Ricky Person, Peyton Wilson, Devin Larry, Liam McNeil, uh, Devin Carter, Trent Penix, who's what everyone keeps talking about this year, uh, Tanner Ingle, let's see, Tyler Baker Williams, let's see, Derek Eason might have a might start this year, Chris Dunn, Val Martin, a couple other guys. Tons of starters of, of a one class. That's, I mean, multi-year starters. And I guess uh, the IPS pod was kind of talking about it a little bit when I was listening to it earlier. It's just, it's not it's not just that they stick around. It's that you actually get something out of them. They were talking about Drake Thomas as a great example of, you know, you go back and look at it and you see how many years he started. And there's a ton of hype about Drake right now coming into the, the season and it's going to look really stupid that he was 25th or 26th in the state when afterwards it's going to look like he should have been top five all along and everyone said, you know, oh, he's just not big enough or whatever. Right. I mean, sometimes you got to look at the instincts, the intangibles. I think the state does a really good job. State, state seems like not worried at times to go for a, a smaller guy or an unknown. You know, it's like, I don't know how much he's going to get this season, right? But everyone keeps talking about Demi freaking Sumo. And that'll probably be the one that if that pans out, everyone's going to be like, holy shit, NC State's done it again. Just a nobody that no one was on. Right. And he's impressing everyone that watches him. So I have a lot of faith in them. It's just there's a couple like little crown jewels I wish we could get to really take yeah, it up. I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if they if they replicate like a 2018 class, which had, um, I just had it up, I think it was like five, four stars, right? Like guys that are definitely getting tons of tons of big offers that we're landing that that's critical to kind of continue and that's what annoys me about the the recent class adjusted rankings before the season even started is you know you had two guys just fall off for no reason because people yeah. hadn't really seen them and and I'll give it up like if you look at the 2020 and 2021 classes Carolina's done really well in the top 10 Right, they're very reminiscent of our 2018 classes, but it doesn't mean these guys are going to pan out. And there's one or two guys here that I, I can know that State really wanted, but not a ton. And I don't know. Uh, I just I'm curious to see how this works out. I am I am I I'm positive. I feel like Virginia Tech or UVA is going to beat UNC to start the season, and it's going to send shockwaves right. out there. And and that's just. I just want something good to happen. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you look at, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, but if you look at the state's recruiting for 2022, they have 11 commits, I think it is. And they're 30, I forgot, I forgot the number was, 36th, I think, 46th maybe in recruiting. 48th. 48th in recruiting. But that's only because they have 11 commits. If you do the average, which is, I'm surprised that these places don't rank by the average commit states in the top 30 right they're 28th and that that's a big that's a big difference in in how the perception is and we knew that it was going to be a small class too so i think going into the season we thought there might be like 15 players so it really was important for them to hit on the guys that they wanted that's why that was a big deal early on I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the season, guys like Michael Allen are back on the four-star, especially, I mean, you know, if you're ripping off 200-yard receiving games, it's going to be hard to to justify that the knee is a problem. Um, right. You know, but it's just, 
keep your cool. Let's see if we get like you know like Wesley Grimes, right? I think he's maybe a three star on all these on all these sites, and it, he's like the guy that NC State wants, you know. So uh, there is some credence, I guess, to you know trusting trusting the coaches. But we were also told that with Tob, you know, like so. Some point, yeah. You're allowed some to scrutinize, yeah. Yeah, I, I can. That's fair. That's a fair criticism. The one that I will say that concerns me, and not necessarily the player himself, Travis Shaw, the five star from Greensboro, Grimsley, I think, just mm-hmm. committed to Carolina, and his comment was essentially. About getting paid, getting that NIL money. Likes getting paid inside, likes getting paid outside. I don't even know what that means. Um, yeah, that's going to be a problem going forward. I think that is my concern with... That's going to be my, my biggest, biggest area of concern with recruiting is how do we handle the NIL stuff. And I don't know how much it's going to last, but it's having an impact. And whatever Mac is selling them is working, right? And we know that because, like, he said it. And then Amarian Hampton, the other highly regarded running back in the state, also said it. Like, talking about getting paid. It's going to be a real factor in recruiting in the future. And I don't know what we are doing about it. I mean, look, if it was me and I was in C State, I'd be working with um, our boosters to basically just set aside a fund and get people to promote something, whatever. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, let's see what pans out. Like anyone that's just going to a school because they're getting told they're going to get paid. I mean, if their boosters deliver the money, then that's great. But what happens when like Travis Shaw goes there, and there's all kinds of, you know, dysfunction in that locker yeah. room, and you know they don't start, they don't break through, or maybe they break through, but he's not starting, and right. then it's like, well, I'm leaving, and then what happens? Is a booster gonna sue a kid? Like I- I'm waiting to see where this goes. And I think one of the things that State said is like they're trying to, or the players have been like, we're trying to be careful and kind of like feel this thing out, uh, you know. So I had this thought about the NIL, NIL, and tell me if if, if I'm crazy here. If you're a coach and you're making three, four million dollars a year, what, why wouldn't you approach a booster or somebody and say, I'll give you $200,000 for you to distribute to athletes for NIL purposes or whatever. Yeah. Let me be a, uh, a stockholder. Right? You know, let me stake your company, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Why not? I mean, I would hundred percent do that if I'm a coach and I have this money and maybe, you know, maybe we don't have big money boosters stepping up doing these sorts of things. I would a hundred percent facilitate this. Cryptocurrency. So Dave wants is a to hell reach out and give me 200 grand and say, hey, I'll support Raleigh Digital. I'll, uh, you know, uh, dude, this, 
the podcast would freaking be throwing nil money to everybody. I'll, I'll gift out some Bitcoin, like right. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I I think I think your coaches, if they're not doing it already, are going to be doing something like that. No, oh, 100. percent it, It'll be washed under like like the Miami. The former Miami players who put together the the company for the NIL, like you know, Manny Diaz is is throwing some funds that way. Like hundred percent, he's Venmoing somebody, hundred grand to, you know, give who's, me some players. Who's gonna investigate it? The NCAA Nobody. screw yeah. that. They don't have the power to even do yes. anything. So unless it's like somehow racketeering or against the law. You know, I, I would, yeah. if I was everyone on the NC State staff, I'd be like, all right, boys, do you guys want bonuses or do you want players this year? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be something there. Somebody's going to be doing it at some point. I told you, like, I the one thing I'm waiting on is, like, for a school to, like, be like, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to set up, like, a pension fund and yeah. basically say we're going to take X percent of sales. It's going to go to this forever fund football player you know whatever your whatever your program brings in that's your share and then it gets split among the players i mean people they they just need to be more creative there's there's so much freaking money out there you could pay for that all if you just hosted a playoff game at a college campus yeah i agree so it's gonna be curious to see where nil goes but i am i am concerned in that regard that we are not doing enough. So when Dave Doran fires up his podcast and he put this on, Dave, reach out. We'll make this happen. I will say it's like yeah. I guess it is a little refreshing to like not hear our recruits talking about it. It's like you know, oh, yeah. Mac's gonna put me in touch with the big boosters in my city. Nothing gets me going like, oh my god, that sounds weird. Yeah, you know, it's it's I don't know, man. They're they're dirty. I mean the other thing is like Max only going to be around for so long. Like, yeah. you know, how long is Phil Longo going to wait around? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, weird. Anyway, so speaking of uh, one last recruit, Lex Thomas throws a TD on his first ever varsity game in high school. Is he going to be the greatest of all time? Game's rigged. <laughs> they set that up. They set Lightning up. delay after the second quarter? Sure. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, I mean that's 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 cool for him, man. I, you know, I, I it is kind of funny, you know. Yeah, they get that lightning delay. I think he, you know, two quarters he had like a hundred and seventy some yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. I think right, like sounds like he's gonna be pretty good. But again, I mean, I'm tr- I was just trying to think about it before the pod, like when I was at high school games growing up. I'm not sure I ever saw like a D one quarterback roll up against us i've i I had seen like defensive linemen like guys that ended up fsu like they were noticeable but i mean i feel like if you're a d1 quarterback you should be lighting dudes up anyway so i feel like they just ran the ball down there evan and set him up for his first touchdown (laughs) pass we had a kid at athens drive back in the day that was in my class and he was unreal at everything and if it was today and they have an internet and they you circuit, he would have been high level recruit. I, I knew a state coach back in the day who knew him and said that if he 
he had gotten the attention that kids get now, he would have been he would have had forty offers in basketball, and he was that good in football too. And yeah, I just I dovetail. I, he he did he he dominated kids like he, nobody could stop him. Uh, he was he played quarterback in safety in the same game, and he was just like just nobody could stop him. He was six five. Evan Sean Roberts. Ray. Sean Ray. No, Sean Ray. <laughs> Sean Ray was awesome, man. Really good, really good dude. But he was he's just such a phenomenal athlete. I think he ended up at NC Central from a coaching connection or something. But, yeah, he was just – he was legit. Uh, transitioning to the pod question. Oh, my God. Fancy transition. <laughs> I had to get it in there. Uh, what, if anything, will you take away from the first game that will help you give confidence for this season? Uh, what's the spread at right now? 21, I think. Yeah. USF just announced that Cade Fortin, former North Carolina Tar Heel, is the starting quarterback. What's what's the uh, what's the over-under? It's like, what, 45? 45. Yeah. Boy, that seems no. late for a 21-point 60. Spread. It was 61. Oh, okay. Well, that can't be... Well, yeah, I guess that could yeah, be Yeah, because right. I think they're thinking like 40-21 or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah, hang, for, hang over 40. Don't look like it. Don't look like it's difficult on offense. That would be great. I don't know what yeah, to over expect. Under-under 60 spread is 18 at the moment. Yeah. I guess the way they're talking about this defense, I mean, who knows? I mean, if, if we can get this, the starters out of the game early, that's great, at least on one side of the ball. But... The it's funny like no one's talking about USF at all, and I'm sure they're going to be trash. Um, I hope we're focused. You know, I I it's going to be curious, game. man. Is, is he going to? But is he going to be? Is it going to be? Uh, well, what I mean by focus is like focused on murdering the opponents. Um, I, I just <laughs> I always wonder if Dave is going to vanilla. You know, it, it, we got to see Tim Beck last year, but all his games were critical games. So he came out basically firing at all times. I'm curious to see how they handle the game plan. It, you know, are they still working in rotations to kind of see how guys react? Um, you know, or are they just trying to hold their cards close to their vest for for Mississippi State? I don't know. I mean, I just want to see us get out healthy more than anything. Um, yeah, I think it's been a good camp for that reason. For from injuries, I mean. So I want to see that continue. I'm probably going to be looking at offensive line play, although last year was kind of a um, fake, I don't know, fake out. We saw that Wake Forest game. We thought we were going to run over everybody, and that wasn't that wasn't the case. I mean, everyone needs to remember we lost like three offensive linemen by the fourth game. You know? Yeah, I, I get it, but you know, my point still stands that – the first game, it's hard. It's hard to take that kind of thing away from it. I'd probably say just being sharp and showing that you have better talent. Right? That's just not something we've always done straight away. Like just go out there and dominate a team that you should dominate like that. Like they weren't really good last year. You guys have they'll have some players. They'll have some. You know they'll they'll have a little bit of something. Jeff Scott knows what he's doing. But I would think just how the game flow goes and how they look overall. Like, are they are they sharp? And like you said, are they focused is what I'm going to take away from it. 
With this being the second year of the coordinators and staff, do you think there will be new wrinkles or concepts that they want to do with the personnel on offense and defense? That's a good question. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to see the aggress- the defense be even more aggressive, at least from the, the defensive line perspective. I'm, I'm really excited about this defense more I think about it and just the way people are kind of whispering about the – the defense in practice, and in particular the defensive line, I think you're going to see Gibson have a lot of options to constantly play with. And, you know, I mean, the, the defensive line is like practically, yeah, you got like practically nine guys you can kind of throw in there at any time. So it's it's going to be exciting from that perspective. Um, and, you know, Again, like even though it was the same defense last year, I still think that Gibson said something like he only got like seventy percent of his playbook in or whatever. Yeah, and like they're only just focused on just like he wants them to be masters of what they do. So he's trying to not, he make it sound like they're not complicating it. He wants them just to be doing all the simple things fast. And um, and Beck has implied that you know he barely cracked the book basically with what he was trying to install last year. So I, I think you're gonna see some interesting things and you'll, you'll see some changes because you know, we don't really know what we have at tight end, for example. So are they going to adjust their, their methods there? How are they going to handle a run game with a healthy offensive line? You know? Yeah. Defense is going to be interesting to me. Like you said, we'll probably get to this in a minute, but if we were talking previously, D'Antonio Burnett put out the speed charts and, 10 of the top 12 were on defense. To me, that's mind-blowing. I mean, that's wild because I would have never thought that, you know, Peyton Wilson was faster than Anthony Smith or Chris Scott or Jalen Coyd or some of these other guys who you know are are really fast. And that, that, to me, that's, that's going to be real. It's going to be interesting to see how, how good this defense is because I know nobody expects us or expects anybody to shut down anybody anymore. But I think we're going to be really good, and I think we can be disruptive enough. We can really up that turnover number, which is what what I want to see at the end of the year. Um, what was the other one? What did... Yeah, I forgot what you were just saying. Oh, just how NC State is so great, and <laughs> no one ever gives us any credibility. No. <laughs> I Yeah, just, you know, it's... Oh, what I was going to say is, you also don't know, like, Tim Beck was working with Bailey Hockman all last year, and... <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story. Right, did they play golf. this weekend? Oh, sorry. Yeah, you No, you next weekend. Uh, I was playing golf this weekend. We had a we set up our golf trip and we're on Sunday afternoon. And we're on the putting green and I, and I'm talking to James Henderson. And I said, Jane, I, I forgot what we were talking about. Football came up and he's like, I don't know if he was trying to get me going because we're on opposite teams and he was just trying to get under my skin. But he said, you know, we really made a mistake letting Bailey Hockman go. And if you ever met James, like, I couldn't tell if he was serious or not. <laughs> I thought he was just trying to get me worked up. And so I'm thinking about that and like, in, in regards to this question, <laughs> yeah, th- those boys love some Bailey Hockman for some reason. But Tim Beck, 
it's got to have more to work with with Devin Leary and Bailey Hockman. And that's what I want to – you know, that's that's one of the things that makes me think that this offense is going to be that much better, which seems like an obvious statement. But. Evan, it seems like there's going to be a deficiency in grit now that uh, <laughs> Bailey Hockman's not here. So, I don't know. Uh, good old James. I don't play mind games, I guess. I mean, question. look, it, okay, hold on. Let me just say this. If Bailey Hockman was here and he was just the backup, but we knew he was available to be the backup and it was absolutely Devin Leary's team and there was no question about it, yes, it would be fantastic. I would love having a competent backup that has upside half the time. But I also remember the Syracuse game. I remember the passes at the end of the Duke game that should have been intercepted but were touchdowns. Like I remember the game. UNC game, like, and I remember the first half, the important half of the UNC game. You know, yeah. Kentucky. It's just, he, the dude was a backup. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. Love him. I played, good, I played good that day anyway, so it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I hit the first one about two feet. Anyway. <laughs> Next question. How do you get Dawkins, Durden, Jackson, Clark, Harris, Wilson, Vi Moore, Joseph, and Thomas on the field more at the same time? Do you stand Dawkins up at times and go big with three DL and mix it up? I think you're going to see a lot of wrinkles on this off- on this defense because this front six, it's going to be really good. And I think you'll see Vi Jones probably playing some nickel just to get him on the field in certain situations when maybe they don't have a speed slot or something like that. I, I just think you'll see that 3-4 look almost because those guys are really good. The problem is Tyler Baker-Williams is one of your best players on defense, and he's playing nickel, and then you take him off to put Vi Jones on. I don't know. I think they're gonna. There's gonna be a lot of heavy rotations. Yeah, and they like Josh Pierre Lewis. Like, I mean, you know, last year, Vi Jones played nickel at times, but I mean, Tyler Baker Williams was also like out often uh, yeah. because of COVID and whatnot. So, um, it's gonna be interesting. How, you know, please play Vi Jones a little bit more and give Peyton Wilson some breaks. Like, part of the problem, I think, with Peyton is, like, he just goes too hard all the time. I'd love to give him more rest. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys to play, man. I mean, just thinking about the, the starting defensive line, like, I mean, we'll see what, like, gets trotted out there versus USF, and more probably, more importantly, who gets trotted out there against MS, MSU. But the, you know, Daniel Joseph, Corey Durden, C.J. Clark sounds really damn good to me. Oh, yeah, Savion Jackson can play. Oh, yeah, Terrell Dawkins can play. Oh, yeah, what about Josh Harris? Oh, yeah, did you know you could put Corey Durden at nose tackle and then you could put these other – I mean, it's – he's got so yeah. many combinations he can play with, and it's going to be real interesting to just see how fresh they can keep that line. You know, I, you know what I want to see? I want to see, like, what shape, like, Josh Harris is in. Like, I want to see – you know, can we get more from him than just short yardage this year? Um, but the fact is, like, they're going to have situations where they're like, hey, we can just go jumbo up. And we can yeah. go put Corey Durden, Josh Harris, and Savion or someone like there and just be like, just go stand up the line. Corey, try to get in there and let the linebackers do their thing. So I think he's 
he's gonna have a lot to work with. I'd be curious if Gibson would say that. Maybe maybe I did see this somewhere, but it's got to be like the most talented defense he's ever had. You know, so I would. Yeah, I, I'm sure he's looking. Just looking his chops. Going back to that first question, what do you take? A, what do you want to see that give you confidence? I was thinking about that. I'm gonna say the, and you just mentioned it with the rotations, but one of the things that really got me last year was the rotations seemed pre-planned and not in the mm. moment. Yeah. And uh, specifically, I remember, and I don't remember if it was a Wake Forest game where it was a critical down, and I think it was a Wake Forest game. And we, we knew we were going to run the ball. We are trying to run out clock or whatever. And they essentially ran it up the middle. But Jordan Houston was in and not Bam Knight. And I think that was probably a planned rotation. But I, what I want to see is a little bit more game awareness that, hey, this is critical. Get it to your best player that fits what play you're trying to run. Like if they're trying to run a... I don't know, bubble screen? Yeah, you know, Jordan Houston, sure. But if you're trying to run out the clock and you're running inside zone, put Bam Knight in there, right? Put your big guy or put Ricky Person in there. Put your guys in there that are fit that fit the situation. That's one of the things that I think people have been critical about with Dave and the staff, and I, I, I think it's warranted. And I want to see some more awareness there changing. Well, I can't believe you're besmirching Jordan Houston, who is a brother of a friend of a friend of the pod. <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, maybe we're going to work our magic and somehow get Jordan to, to say something on this podcast. Um, but, you know, I mean, Jordan Houston sounds like he's going to be out the slot a lot. Yeah. And, man, if, I mean, if Demi Simo is really impressing the way they're talking, it's like a couple weeks ago I was excited to see Delbert Mims and, like, you know, just the fact that he can kind of, if, if if Ricky, who says he's now in his best shape and is faster than he's ever been, if he can kind of replicate what what uh, what Ricky does with, with Delbert, does that mean Sumo is going to be like our next Rick uh, Zonovan? Like, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. Like, is, is Houston even going to get a carry this year? I don't know. It's It's... There's just a lot of mouths to feed. This, that's the only thing I'm a little worried about is there's just a lot of guys that slot, you know? So how are you going to work in Jordan? Are you going to have, like, two or three slots on the field at the same time? Like, I, I don't know. I guess I'm that's kind of what I'm curious to see is, like, how do you keep everybody happy? I mean, Emeka's back at practice. So you're going to have Emeka, Devin, Thayer, Porter. I mean, we obviously need to get Ant Smith. And Chris Scott touches, you know, like, yeah. I'm curious how they're going to manage it. Yeah, Maybe it's just a lot of promises, right? Because, I mean, Emeka won't be here next year. Thayer probably won't be here next year, you know. So maybe it's going to solve itself. But um, I don't know. Just go out and beat the shit out of USF. That's, that's all I want. All right, last question. Uh, two questions, actually. Uh, Hokey Smash. Matthew asks, give me your final wooden loss for football record. We did that last week, but I went with 10-2. and two. I think Will went with 10-2 and two as well. I did. I'm a believer. Yeah. I'm always a bit optimistic. And it's funny, after that podcast, my brother, my brother who uh, we, don't, we don't talk a lot, 
He's just a man of few words, but he reached out to me and says, man, you're crazy. <laughs> I was like, he's like, you're all crazy. I was like, so I had to give him a spiel of why, you know, I think this team has got a chance. And I know I'm, I'm being optimistic, but I, I really am a believer in the talent on this team. So Some, Sometimes you're just a really good football team, and you're going to beat people, and I just think it's this year. I just feel it. it and I get it. I get the hesitation with, you know, just, in-game coaching and stuff like that, but I think the staff is much better. I think the staff is a, a staff that's good enough to take advantage of the talent. So we'll see. One thing, I, and I brought brought this up to you this morning. You said save for the pod, so I'm going to ask you again. There's been a lot of chatter about, and this is a hypothetical. There's been a lot of chatter about Nebraska and Scott Frost is in trouble, and they have new AD and potentially firing Scott Frost, right? Find, trying to find a way out of his 20 some million dollar buyout. They're not going to be very good this year. So let's say State goes 10-2. and two. Nebraska fires Scott Frost. Is Dave Dorn not a good fit for Nebraska? And would Nebraska come calling? Would Dave listen to Nebraska? If I'm Dave Doran... And you're not Wisconsin or Ohio State or Michigan or like a Penn State. Why would I go to Nebraska? Or why would I go to where we're worried about Kansas? Like, at some point you uh, you leave the Midwest and see how nice the rest of the country is. And you're like, <laughs> I'm not going back to that. Um I, it would be different if like Scott Frost was doing great and had the thing humming and had some issue like this and then they were like, oh, this is unacceptable and they fired him. But, I mean, why would you go there? Nebraska doesn't recruit at the level that you need. There's no real natural right. talent around there outside of your linemen. Like, it's it may, it's tough. I mean, it would be funny. Like, I'd be more worried about Tim Beck going to Nebraska, personally. Like... He's got he's got more ties to Nebraska. Garrison has more ties to Nebraska. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I'd be more worried about us actually getting to to the ten and two, like I think we can, and then us having staff poaching and things like that. Because you know, I think there's going to be a little bit of a transition next year as we. I mean, we're going to lose a lot of guys to the NFL or just to graduation yeah. this year, right? So. I mean, if he does get poached, then we're going to be in a position to, to to make a move. I'd be more worried about like an SEC team that's getting desperate, though most of them are kind of established right now based on the last recruiting hire. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's Dave spent time in California, didn't he? Wasn't he with USC at some point? Or am I just yeah, briefly? I think as yeah. a GA maybe or. Something. You know, like if I was a US if I was a USC, I don't know why Clay Hilton still is coaching there. But maybe if Clay Hilton duds out this year and and Dave Dorn has a big successful run this year, maybe that's the kind of threat I'd be worried about. Um You know, or maybe North Carolina will realize they made a mistake with Mac and they'll just go ask Dave to be their coach. Uh, I would be worried about Nebraska and Penn State. Those are the two that I think if USC opens up and James Franklin goes to USC, 
I could see Penn State liking Dave Doran. And I, I just feel like Nebraska would like Dave Doran too. Penn State, I mean, honestly, that would be so hard to turn down. Like, yeah. you know, that stadium is raucous. The fan base is crazy. There's plenty of prestige despite what happened with Joe Pond and that whole era. Um, I mean, Keats wanted to go there. Hey. <laughs> hey, you don't have to worry about it because we'll just, um, we're going to poach Penn State and bring them into the ACC <laughs> when we, and then we're going to look everyone in the eye when it happens and be like, hey, man, it's still one alliance. <laughs> <laughs> here's that quote. Here's that quote that about the alliance. Based on what I'm hearing, this is the Clemson's SID. Based on what I'm hearing from national media and not from the Alliance press conference or anyone at a school, it appears someday down the line, Clemson could have a 12-game football schedule with eight ACC games, a Big Ten, a Pac-12 team, South Carolina, and Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. I bet that year they funny. get uh, Purdue and, I don't know, who, who's a Pac-12 dwellers, seller dweller? See, we don't even know enough about our Alliance members. We can't even make a joke about them. UCLA, Cal, Oregon Cal? State. Yeah, Cal, Oregon State are the two perpetual cellar dwellers. Yeah. yeah. Boo-hoo, Arizona. Clemson. Clemson could lose three games on that slate and they'll go to the playoff. <laughs> the Alliance playoff or the real playoff? Oh, I mean, uh, that Alliance playoff is going to be lit. I don't want. I don't care what you say. It's probably going to be like a 32-team playoff. <laughs> It's going to be amazing. amazing. Everyone gets a chance. That would be great if if they just said, uh, how many teams would be in that in this group, right? It's it's like close to 36, right? 36, 40, something like that. Right, right. Last, uh, what, like five games of the season? They just say, all right, it's playoff mode, <laughs> and it's just elimination <laughs> games. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It'd be something different. It's going to be weird. But as always, folks, that's all I got. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more stuff to talk about as the season comes up. I can't wait. And, yeah, go back. It's like, what, one more week? Yeah, nine days, eight days. Man, I feel it. Enjoy football this weekend, everyone. Yeah, football! I was raised by the waves. I was raised by the waves. Good night, Kurt Nerds. Now the 